Hello and welcome to episode 34 of Saddlecast. Um, myself, Ollie and Glenn. How are you doing, Glenn? I'm okay. It's been a very interesting week, Ollie. So we've got plenty to talk about, haven't we? Yeah, so last time we did a pod um, was on the Saturday um, before the Lincoln game. Mm. Um, so this pod will be covering the Lincoln game and the Bradford game. So yeah, probably not the, the kind of the best week um, in the year. No. Uh, but Please stick with us, and yeah, we'll we'll go through the Lincoln game and and obviously the Bradford game. Um, I went to both games. Um, you didn't go to Bradford, did you, Glenn? In the end, no, Ollie. I uh, I think I had my spirits sapped a little bit by the trip down to London and, and the result there. And um, I went up early in the week to renew my season ticket, and and Nathan put three hundred and whatever it was, fifteen quid down. I thought the the cost of travelling up to Bradford and some new and another ticket was probably a bit too much for me this week. I probably wouldn't get away with it. So yeah, I, I knew you were going for the podcast, so I, I gave that one a miss, but. Yeah, interesting couple of games really, and um, yeah, I suppose the only thing we can we can look on is we'll probably cover in a bit is obviously results elsewhere have kind of still given us a chance. So it's a very strange week. It's almost like disappointment and hope at the same time. It's very odd. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. One thing I want to just discuss on the pod is there seems to be there's lots of different camps among the fans at the moment, but yes. I'd say there's kind of like two main camps, and it's those who are kind of saying you know oh it's a disappointing that we you know we're we're not in the automatic place anymore. And then there seems to be another group of fans who are almost, I don't know, I nearly said, you know, really annoyed in rage (laughs) that people might think that they shouldn't be more than overly enjoyed. Do you know what I mean? It's like there seems to be quite distinct camps of fans at the moment and and their kind of their view of um, the season at the moment. It is is interesting uh, that, that people have that view. I mean, it is tricky, isn't it? Because we've come so far that you just, you don't, I, 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 I described it earlier on as this potentially, if we don't get the automatic and we fail in the playoffs, could be the best worst season we've ever had. Does that make sense? Or, or the worst yeah. best season, whatever way you want to describe it. Because you know we pushed West Ham right to the limit and just fell short. You know we got to a cup final, all that effort to get there, we just fell short. And it might be we've had an amazing league season and we fall short. You know in the playoffs or we fall short just getting automatic. And to me. You look back and the context of it would still be amazing. It'd be the best season in living memory still, yeah. wouldn't it? But you'll never, ever look back on this season without a tinge of disappointment if we don't achieve anything from it. So I can kind of understand why there are so many different camps because people are starting to think about how they're going to look on this season. It's too early for me yet. You know, we've still got a chance. You know, let's play it through even in the playoffs and then make a judgment on it. But I can kind of see how people are starting to think about, you know, getting so far and, and then failing at the last and, and it being a very big frustration. So, yeah, there we go. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> so let's let's jump into the linking game um, and then yeah we'll, we'll go on back into the league after that how's your nerve Andy Bishop has to score to keep Berry in the tie here Bishop steps up and it's saved and Daniels is an absolute hero so yeah, the, the Sunday after our preview last week, Ollie, we went down to Wembley again uh, for the fourth time, and obviously experienced our fourth defeat. So uh, not ideal, mate. But uh, yeah, it was Lincoln City one and Shrewsbury Town nil. For anyone that doesn't obviously know that now, um, goal in the 16th minute by Whitehouse. Um, yeah, final check trade final, Ollie. Um, it would, I suppose first thing to really mention, I suppose, is the attendance. You know. We were vastly outnumbered, weren't we? There was 41,261 in there, and I, I believe we, we were reported about 12,000 in the end. Um, so, yeah, it didn't really tick up the ticket sales, did it, after the sort of uh, promotion that Shubertown did. But, yeah, there we go. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, I suppose it's worth talking about how we got there, really, and, and, and that sort of thing. I, I ended up going down in the car, Ollie, as I, as I described last week, with um, my family, and we went to a, a local um, tube station about uh, a half an hour walk away, um, Sudbury Town, it was called. Um, and we were just going to walk in the half an hour from there rather than, you know, get involved in any of the nonsense and £15 parking because I'm tight. Um, and when we got, we got there, we parked. It was £1.70 all day. And as we came out, a man on a bus who was parked up there was like, you're going to Wembley? He was like, oh, yeah, jump on here. I'll take you straight down there. 
and we were trying to pay with cash. Didn't realise buses in London were, were cashless. He let us go for free, so we basically got a free shuttle bus to the stadium, which was nice. <laughs> so um, yeah, funny. it was it was actually really good, and we got a, we got a bus back afterwards as well. So the logistics of it were fine, much better than the three previous times I've been there, where we sort of either went on a coach and um, or parked somewhere and ended up paying loads of money and, and stuff. So yeah, didn't mind the logistics of it, but um, yeah, and then we we just basically went up to the ground and went in, and it was a great experience being in the stadium. To be honest, we were meeting people and you know the usual pre-match stuff. But you had a slightly different experience in your pre-match, didn't you, Ollie? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so I got the train down. I was playing football manager on the train. <laughs> then I was chatting to. Um, I was sharing a booth, of, um, you know, a table with um, Matt Sadler's family. Oh, nice. Um, so yeah, chatting to those those guys but right at the end. Um, it, not until the end of I realised um, who the, where they were going, and because there was a lot of people on the train. And then yeah, I was really fortunate. Um, the club uh, were kind enough to give me opportunity to go in the press box. Oh, so yes. I watched the game from the press box, um, which was um, yeah something that was agreed and kind of discussed months ago before we actually got to the final. Mm. So yeah, that was really nice to see that. And yeah, it was very interesting to kind of I turned up. I actually bumped into Ant and Phil who were going into the posh seats. Oh, there you go. Uh, which is quite funny. And then. <laughs> And yeah, then the guy from the EFL came and got me, took me down underneath. I came out by the by the pitch where so I came through the play of entrance, then up into the press box, and yeah, then chatting to Stu Dunn and Lewis Cox and Mark Elliott and that. Did uh, you feel you made it, Ollie? As this part, you know. As the podcast led to you making it in the world of the press, <laughs> it was quite funny. It was quite nice chatting to those guys before the game. And yeah, had had something to eat, had some free food and stuff. So yeah, it was it was an interesting experience. Um, sitting there, kind of going on to the game, it's quite funny because. You know, you you have you're in a you know in a press area, working environment, so you can hear the radio and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I couldn't be a fan. I couldn't you know st- you know shout or scream or chant or anything like no. that. So and we're surrounded a bit by um, Lincoln fans. So we weren't as surrounded. We're at the other end of the press box, um, Lewis Cox was literally like a couple of meters from the Lincoln fans. <laughs> um, so yeah, felt for those guys. But yeah, it was quite funny. And then really oddly, I was um just going. I was going back to my seat um, just before the game started. And I recognised a voice, and that sounded a bit weird, but there's a guy who went to my high school, yeah. works in the media, um, the IT department for, um, for F- the FA, yeah. and he was there, he has a really distinctive voice, it was really weird, and I turned around and he was there, so yeah, that was quite strange. <laughs> I've got a story quite similar to that, actually, Ollie, in, in when we got there, obviously, I had my four, my mum, my, my dad, my auntie, and uncle sitting in the seats behind us, we had four and four, basically, and then behind, the row behind that was a good friend of mine that I met years ago, a guy called Chris Hudson, who's a, a town fan, for some people are probably know and there was a spare row between us and um you know i was thinking oh these people have left it a bit late coming in here and my brother who's been on the podcast several times and, and a couple of the other lads who've been on all went down on the train like you um except they got on the train with mickey brown um from shrewsbury which apparently was resulted in an hour of mickey brown just having mickey brown chants chanted at him <laughs> which must have been a brilliant anyway they eventually got down and, and all my mates who we'd not coordinated with or anything ended up in the row sitting behind where, where all my family were which That's is quite funny. nice so my mum ended up sitting in front of my brother and we hadn't pre-planned it so that was pretty random in terms of you know there was 20 odd thousand how many seats exactly yeah Yeah, it was it was quite strange so it was nice to have everyone in the same place really um that well before the game started obviously (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's quite funny you mentioned that so obviously choose the home fans were kind of outnumbered two to one yeah so if you know it was a been if it had been a battle it would have to have been some kind of you know famous watling street or you know some kind of like you know um (laughs) you know kind of famous greek battle to win but at the start of the the game um the shrewsbury town fans didn't have that much to cheer about throughout the game but um, the start, the, the noise was equal. So I was sitting in the middle, and I'd say the noise was quite even. Yep. Um, 
would... and that probably just kind of says that you know with um, in that ten thousand, twelve thousand Shrewsbury Town fans, there was probably you know you know a good core, mm. and obviously the core in the in the Lincoln side was probably about the same. Um, they obviously had a lot of day trippers. I think the best thing that we did about tickets when you look back now, um, you know, was the fact that we were able to sell tickets where people wanted, and there was designated singing blocks, wasn't there? Um, yeah. And so all of our singers tended to end up in that three central blocks behind the goal, whereas on Lincoln side they couldn't pick where they sat; they had to just sit where they sat. So you might have had their sort of four or five hundred guys who even in a big stadium like that will make a noise together and get the rest going they were probably disparately all split out so I think initially that that atmosphere didn't really affect us because you know as you're right yeah. we were quite loud and I think that helped I know there were some issues with people sitting in the singing block that didn't want to sing but... yeah because there wasn't that it wasn't officially a singing block according to Ticketmaster no so but if it was you the just club, booked your it? tickets you wouldn't have known yeah but the club advertised it as such and it, so it yeah. did work the reason that the, the atmosphere went the other way was they scored an only goal and it killed the, killed yeah. a bit of the life out of the game but We'll come to that, won't we? So, who played then? Who played? Glenn? Yeah, what was the starting lineup. So, what was the surprise? Well, yeah. So, obviously Henderson and goal. That wasn't a surprise. Um, no. And then the back four: Bolton, Toto, Sadler, and Beckles. So, Toto coming back was a bit of a surprise um, because obviously he'd had that cheek injury and the, the fractured cheekbone, um, and he came out like the Lone Ranger with a new white mask on, which we'll, we'll get to in a minute. He didn't didn't like it very much, did he? Um, and then Godfrey, Morris, uh, and Nolan as the the three central midfielders with Wally on one wing. Thomas coming back in on the left, on the on the other wing, and Carl Morris at back up front. Pain had been dropped, so it was interesting. A couple of little changes here and there. I think Toto coming back as quick as he did was probably the biggest shock for me. Yeah, no, it was surprised that he started, mm. um, and it just shows how much he wanted to start. But yeah, he came into the side, and yeah, the white mask that obviously didn't last the whole game. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I was quite pleased with the starting lineup, and oddly, I, I was kind of going to the game not overly, you know, I wasn't like thinking, you know, we were going to walk it, but I was quietly confident we were going to get something from this game. But um, well, we both yes. predicted them to win last week didn't we yeah. so uh, you know I'd say the same thing when I saw that team and I thought we're playing a league two team here right they're in a good season but a lot of the guys they've got you know we, we did our big, big in-depth preview didn't we but there were still some people yeah. in there that were inexperienced and had only played league two football you'd, you'd had to we were the favourites going into the game and everything and yeah. um yeah, it wasn't to be, was it? It was a very, very no. disjointed performance. Yeah, it was. It was funny watching the highlights back. There's more highlights and better moments um, than I, you kind of remember. Yeah, and we'll kind of piece that together at the end when we get back and when we kind of summarise the game. Mm. Um, but I don't think we started too badly. We snuck the ball around a bit, and we had that Beckles winning on one of his storming runs. <laughs> and then yeah, then we had that corner cleared, and and Morris had that shot and hit the cross top of the crossbar. And at this point, you're thinking, okay, you know, classic town you know it's not a bad start to the game no we, we had them rocking a little bit in, the, in that period yeah. there with, with a couple of chances I think there was a corner in there as well and then yeah that's how Morris's shot came yeah, from yeah exactly yeah you'd thought if we'd have, we'd have had a um, you know got an early goal then it probably would have been on the other way wouldn't it really if you, even just at that first 10 minute period but it, it wasn't to be was it and, and even during that 10 minute period it was quite a in, aggressive game I thought all the way through and obviously Lincoln played their part in that we weren't shirking our challenges either to be honest with you in that first 10 minute period but I think the, the, the first change came really even though we were starting to play nice football was the biggest moment really was was Reed and um, his late challenge on Henderson which you know that's the one thing you look back on the highlights and think Jesus Christ how the hell was he not sent off my initial tweet about that moment was that is unbelievable how has he not got a red card so so you saw that then so that was clear to you live behind the goal that yeah. was a red I was right in line with it so I wasn't sitting behind the goal I was sitting sort of oh you sitting to the side like a block 18 type position if you were yeah, at our yeah. stadium so it, yeah. we were like right in line with that it happened you could see you could see it was premeditated and it didn't take a replay for that to show me that you know it was it was a straight red card it was it was unbelievable and um, yeah I, I don't think you're just going to disagree with that are you it was a horrendous no. challenge so I thought 
thought I thought it was a red, and interestingly, um, Lewis Cox at the time wasn't sure, mm. so I was like, "Oh, was it?" And then um, I had obviously um, privilege in terms of I had the um, replays in front of me on a little uh, screen, okay, cool. and it's clear that he turned, he turned, he saw him, took a step forward, sho- um, shoulder into Henderson's face, uh, yep. and he should have been sent off. Should have been straight red, but you know what referee is going to have the balls to do that, especially at our level when we don't get particularly good referees, even at, you know even in a final, it, it would have took a lot to send someone off after what was it ten minutes of the game. Yeah. But rules are rules, and unfortunately, you should have stuck to them. And, and his overall game was just horrible to watch, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, he I... clattered into a few people. Every time he got slightly touched, he went down in a big heap and moaned about it. And he was always in the referee's ear. And uh, it probably opens up a bigger discussion, which I don't know if you want to tackle now about the dark arts. But you know, certainly Lincoln were were doing what they needed to yeah. do, a very League Two style. You know, influence a referee as much as you possibly can. And we were a bit naive, I thought, overall in that we didn't didn't really get involved, and we. Maybe didn't stand our corner when they were trying to influence how the game was going, but yeah, I think you got to adapt. I think yeah. if you're, I wouldn't want us to do that as our default setting. No. But if you got the other team doing it, I think you need to wise up a little bit. And it felt like a little bit that the players, after that, that kind of got shell shocked by that point, mm. um, and I don't think really recovered um, very well. And and for me, the thing that was kind of just kind of for me was an indicator of how badly the game has been managed. That <laughs> you know they were walking like you know ten, fifteen meters, sometimes even twenty meters. For taking a throw, yeah, yeah, and you start doing that, and it just shows that for me that the referee was not controlling the game. Maybe a petty point to point out, but no. I think it just kind of highlights how poorly they were they were officiating the game. Yeah, and there was, and we just didn't seem like we got a free kick for ages, did it? To be honest with you, it was no. one of those games again, and it was very, very. We always think we're being sort of shortchanged by these referees all the time, but there was certainly a, a, an argument to say that this was a, a fairly unbalanced referee oh. performance over 90 minutes, wasn't there? Yeah, and just to kind of like highlight that, so I did look at a Lincoln newspaper that said that you know some people were saying that maybe it was a red. Um, so, <laughs> but then I read um, a couple of articles from national newspapers and they were like, yeah, clear red, should have gone. They completely changed the game. So I don't think there's any argument about the red. No, um, their fans won't care either. If, we'd, if I'd have won no. that cup and something happened like that, I'd be a bit like, well, we've got away with that, haven't we? But Move we won on. or something. But exactly. I'm not I'm not surprised the Lincoln fans aren't throwing themselves forward to agree with us. But um, yeah. but, the, but the, that was it, really. So obviously Henderson went down. And initially, it looked like he was going to be getting carried off and that'd be that. I saw Craig McGivory start warming up and I thought, this looks worrying because um, he certainly did look like he took a bad head injury. But fair play to Endo. He got up, didn't he, and shook it off as much as he could. He did. But was he still groggy six minutes later? Well, that's a good point. So um, so basically, they um, had a current attack. They got a corner after hitting the ball against um, Bolton's yep. um, shins. They marked the quite a kind of you know a kind of low corner comes in um and then the, the white house um, i think it was white house wasn't it who had the first shot um and Henderson saved it yep. but then he didn't really he just kind of parried it in front of him right front, yeah. um, and then it went in now the first i couldn't bring myself to watch any highlights until today <laughs> um, of this game um and i'll come to what i did when i got home later after when we get to the end but um can i admit something ollie go on. i haven't watched the highlights back at all <laughs> no, I'm not surprised. So I was, yeah, went through the pain for the pod. You got to. Um, yeah, you knew I was going to do it. So um, yeah, as, as it works, you always do the editing. I do the agenda. Yeah. Um, so I had the pain. But um, but yeah. So what did you think in real time? Do you think it was a mistake by Henderson? Uh, it's a bit harsh because it's got it. a lot of abuse online. Isn't yeah, it, I don't this? know why. I mean, it, the first one is comes from you know a reasonably close distance into him. He just gets something on it. You know, there's probably what a, a second between shot and save, isn't there? Could he have yeah. done more with putting it out to the right or the left? Yeah, that's the bit you would have hoped he'd done better instead of just spooning it right out in front of him. But it was a pretty snapshot, quick shot. Yeah. Um, and so I don't... I, I, I'm inclined to think that it wasn't a, a goalkeeping error per se. He just could have done a little bit better with it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, it comes through kind of like 
not a kind of through a cloud of players a little bit. Mm. Um, so I think it was a reaction save, a good reaction save, but unfortunately, yes, it didn't go in. So I think it's funny if, if I think if the first shot had gone in, um, people wouldn't have been criticising no, him. No, it, <laughs> which is odd. It's very true. So I think so. I think it's just a little bit of um, yeah. I think it's unfair to criticise um, Henderson. Um, and yeah, then there was a, that obviously then was a um, yeah. So that was a one nil down. But yeah, it's funny watching the, the highlights back, and obviously you haven't done this. Um, we actually have quite a lot of efforts in this game. Mm, yeah, um, we have that. a lot more efforts than they do. So if you know if this was a you know if, you, if this went down to points, you know Shrewsbury Town would have won, I think, overall. Um, so Wally had the effort wide. Yep. And then Reed had the effort, and then we had that chance, didn't we, where we had a corner. Beckles did a fantastic header, great save. Bolton on the rebound, and then there was a handball. Yeah, I, I I do agree with you, Wally. We we had chances. Um, but you've got to remember we were playing a League Two team, so I wouldn't have expected us not to create chances. You know, they're not gonna. They weren't even watching that game. They weren't a brilliant team, were they, Lincoln? They were just effective and. and they didn't organized. play football, did they at no, all? No, exactly. So I would have expected us to dominate the game, and I would have expected us to create chances. Um, our issue was taking them. I mean, the the, the corner that Beckles the, the save from that was actually a really good save, to be fair, wasn't it? And, and Beckles yeah, did about fantastic. as much much as he could. Um, but it, it was more about the, the general play, wasn't it? Because we, we were creating chances, but there were big long stretches where nothing was really happening, and we were sort of no. very tentative in our attacking play, and sort of sort of pissy passing it around, and then they'd get a chance and they'd break, and inevitably they'd win a free kick in our half, which they just lump in the box. That was the pattern of play, and it it yeah. was it was a bit more interesting in the first half. I thought the second half was really dull, and there was even less going on, wasn't there? And we'll come to that. But in the first half, you know, we had three good chances at the bar. You know, had a header just saved, had a handball chance that we should have got as well. Now that and that should have been a penalty. Should have been a penalty. And the, yeah. And the commentator doing the um, doing the highlights uh, for the EFL um, said it should have been a penalty as well. Yep. So while we can criticise the ref and talk about you know players not turning up, <laughs> they should have had a man sent off and we should have had a penalty. Yep. And I think that's fine up to half time. We we could have said that it should have been one one at half time, or we shouldn't even have been you know behind really, or you know it was a much easier game in the first half. And I think that we had that as a legitimate excuse. But even then, at one nil down against Lincoln, even with ten men, even with eleven men, you know I would. It was the second half that was the bit that leaves you with the massive tinge of disappointment in the team. You yeah. know, the first half you kind of say, well, we didn't play our best, but we still created lots of chances. We were a bit unlucky. Second half. Uh, for me, we really went in on ourselves. Whether and it's very strange. Normally, we have a poor horse team talk and we come out energized and 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 go again. Tactics change and yeah, we've kind of find some things. But really, didn't feel like that, did it? Yeah. So there's only really two efforts in the second half. Yep. So there's a Thomas effort, um, which was a good chance, and then Reed had a second effort that he probably should have, you know, at least got on target, but he spooned it over. Yeah, it was a big miss, uh, that wasn't it? So yeah, I think that's probably enough about the 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 kind of the the, the kind of the poignant highlights of the game. Mm. I just wanted to kind of talk about a few things. So yeah, so one you mentioned there about Lincoln's game management. So their left back. Um, took was taking a throw about um, I think this was this was before Henderson got smashed and he told the ball boys to slow down saw that yeah yeah, yeah so, so it was clearly that was part of their tactics the game had no flow at all so no. they clearly saw that we're a footballing side and they came to basically play long ball so um, the guy with long hair at the back I can't remember his, can't remember his name now um, for Lincoln he was hoofing the ball forward all the time um, they were basically trying to play off set pieces, whether it was throw-ins or corners mm. um, or free kicks. Obviously trying to get free kicks all they could to kind of launch set pieces. And it felt a bit like um, an NFL-style approach to a football game in terms of, you know, in between their attacks or plays, you know, game just ticked away. And in the second half, it, every time I looked at the clock, it felt like five minutes had gone. Yep. Oh, and the second half just flew 
absolutely flew away. Yeah, it did. It was just it was hard to watch at times. You know, you you kind of knew what was coming going to come every time they got the ball. It was just going to be a break in play. Something would be slowed down. We would you know have to wait another two minutes to get the ball back and then try and try and do something flowing again. All right. It, to be honest, in the second half, it didn't work as well. We weren't quite as flowing. We were just more disjointed. And we'll come to why you think we played like we did. But it, it was interesting because I go back to your sort of pre-match review when you spoke to those Lincoln fans last week saying that Dean Cowley, you know, adapts. They don't just have one tactic like we have, you know, or maybe one and a half we've got. He said that they could play any tactic, couldn't they? Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what got me in, in terms of how I thought Paul was Paul Hurst was possibly outthought in this game is that they did adapt. For all, for all I read about but Lincoln... But did they adapt? I, yeah, I think they did. Cause I, I, because from Doigie all I read, said... They, go on. But Doigie said in the pre-match um, that they're, they're a really direct side. So so I don't know whether this, the Lincoln fan was a little bit of rose-tinted um, view... Doigi was very clear in his pre-match that, it, that um, they were just a really, really direct side. Mm. Um, so, I mean, adapted to the circumstances, though. Do you know what I mean? And, and as soon well, as they went yeah, one they nil up, they played against a football inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one nil up, and the, yeah, they adapted to that. So, yeah, so you know, Lincoln were and give them their dues. Did um, play, yeah, played, played to the played to the occasion, mm. um, and they definitely were not overawed by the occasion in that sense. No, but my point is, you get to a cup final, and you know there is an there is an argument to say let's just bloody go for it against the League Two team and play two up front. And I know we have this ongoing discussion all the time, but the Carlton Morris thing did not work at all in that game. You know, and it was pretty no. clear from about twenty minutes in that those two centre backs had got him shackled. He he really had the least amount of influence on our attacking play of all the attacking players. I I'd even go as far as to say Beckles probably had more of an attack influence in the first half than he did in terms of you know the moments. And so, you know, it was things like that where, why didn't Paul Hurst think about changing it a bit earlier on or, or you know, saying let's throw pain on early? And when he did throw pain on, we, we didn't go 4 4 Maybe, we? well, yeah, well, without, that's, a, that's a good point. I think, yeah, Hurst probably got into a little bit of criticism, which is which is just balmy in terms of the context. The season, while it might sound a bit crazy, but I, I think it's fair to criticise him in this game because I think, you know, if even brought the shop on, why not bring the shop on, go 4 4 2? Um, you know, they were bypassing our midfield. Um, I remember watching the second half, and you know they were not. There was no passes. Their midfielders were not passing the ball at all. Yeah. The ball, the game ball was just completely bypassing them. So if we were bypassing our midfield, why don't we just you know get rid of that extra man in midfield? We didn't need. We didn't need a defensive mid. You know, we needed Godfrey to help with kind of defending. We didn't need we Morris. Didn't need Morris, and Morris is having a bit of a mare. So why yeah. not take him off? Bring on the shop or pain and go two at top and put them under pressure and make them, you know, because that would have forced them to sit deeper, which then would have give, maybe given give Nolan and, and the midfielders a bit more time on the ball and get the chance for our fullbacks to overlap because because we never really kept the ball that much. Our fullbacks didn't get into the game, did they? No, they didn't at all. It was, it was a frustrating watch. And you also had Thomas who didn't play particularly well. Thomas was poor. Yeah. yeah. So he didn't really offer that off, offer that extra option that we have. You know, we were relying on Wally. Wally was, I wouldn't say he was Wally poor. Wally was poor as well. He was average. Yeah. He was better than Thomas. Yeah. So, and one thing I want to kind of mention is one is: Do you think Hurst should have worn his um, his gilet and his normal tracksuit? <laughs> yeah, he looked quite smart, didn't he? To be fair, yeah. but it didn't really help when he was standing there picking up a runners up medal, did it? So, no. um, yeah, I, you know, maybe that was the, maybe that's what's jinxed us. I don't think so. I don't believe in jinxes no, and all no, that. I just think I just think that. And, and this is what I was going to ask you: what, Why? What? Do you, where do you think that performance came from? Because you know, we've if you look at our form over the last 10 games now, it has been probably the patchiest it's been across the whole season, hasn't it? We've had a few good wins, strange losses, a couple of interesting draws, obviously lost to a League 2 team, and then the Bradford game as well, if you include that. 
you know, what are, what are you starting to think about? Are you starting to think maybe it was just a final, there was more nerves in it for us as the, as the expectation for us to win? Or do you think, which is what I started to think it's Bradford, is that a little bit of legs are coming out of us? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of legs. Um, I think that, um, you know, when we've had players in form at different times. So mm. we had our kind of post-Christmas kind of little bit of drop, didn't we, where we weren't doing so well. And then, you know, Rodders came to the team at Bristol Rovers. Magogo um, then had some good performances. Yep. And then Nolan started playing back up again and we were taking our chances. Mm. Um, we're not taking our chances at the moment. And we'll come on to that in the Bradford game. Yeah, And I think I'm missing Magogo quite a lot as well. But, yes. um, but yeah, just kind of one thing on Link before we finish. I think one thing I just, I think it's annoying me. It wasn't annoying me before. But I'm getting a little bit tired of this Cowley myth <laughs> that um, he is this, you know, next Messiah who's going to, you know, be one of the best. You know, he's the young Eddie Harry or something like this. Mm. I'm a little bit annoyed by it because, you know, he's been kind of touted as like the next championship manager uh, when he's, you know, he's not even, you know, he's got, he's lost on the weekend. Where I don't even know where they are in the league now, but they're not storming the league or anything in, no. league, in league two. Um, and he's, you know, for all these things about him being this kind of Messiah, he's, you know, he sent out his team to clearly to be, to, you know, to be very aggressive, and clearly, you know, if you have a striker like Reed and you play him, you play to you're playing to his tactics and his strengths, and also he was claimed for everything. And we, why we were not naive, he's not this um, this poster boy that I think sometimes the media seems to have built up about him. I, I kind of agree and disagree in some respects. You know, we wouldn't get out of League Two playing the football we've played this season. <laughs> you, I think you, we would. Oh, I, I don't know. Would. Yeah, but remember when MK Doms absolutely stormed the league? Insk had them playing fantastic. Yeah, football. occasionally. Burton, Burton weren't a bad side when they got promoted. But your odds, your odds are more likely to get promoted on on a more aggressive, direct style of football out of League One. Like, look at Accrington. I do know. Like what about when we had Turner and we had the wingers flying by and Mark Wright, and you know that was a tactic attacking attacking football. Yeah, um, no, we didn't pass as much as we do today. You know, no. obviously, you know, we've got players it's like Nolan and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And Nolan probably wouldn't have the time or space on the ball in League Two, so I agree with that. Yeah, and we were always had, we were always playing two up front most of the time then as well, and it was you yeah. know traditional four four two footballs, particularly under Turner at times. Um, but I can, so I can understand what you mean. You know, he, 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 to me, he's not on Hurst level yet because he's managed oh, the no, League Two team, not. but he's obviously got something about him that he finds ways to win sort of these big cup games last year, and he he's found a way to win at Wembley against a team from a division high. So you know. I, I think he's obviously a very talented manager and he's obviously got something about him. But I think when you're at a club like Lincoln and you've got to build something in the circumstances they have, I suppose what he's done is is, is the right thing. It got them out of the conference. It's potentially going to get them into the playoffs in League Two. You know, for all we know, if he got them up into League One, they may well revise their style, much like Paul Hurst did. You know, you've got to remember Paul Hurst's first first period for us. We were playing 4-4-2 every week, weren't we? It was a very old school, traditional approach to football. And then over the summer... He's brought a new lot of players in that are obviously at a better standard. He's evolved the football we play, and it's been much more attracting, attacking and attractive. So, for all we know, Carley could do that next season, couldn't he, if he gets them up? And, and that's the test for him, isn't it, really? I think Paul Hurst has already put past that test. I think Carley still has that test to pass. So, yeah, yeah, I think probably I kind of agree and disagree with you in some respects. But, yeah, it's a fair point. I don't think he's, he's not Paul Hurst, is he? <laughs> no. So, um, so, so we shouldn't say that because Paul Hurst could get a job in the summer at a lot of championship clubs. So, we should. You know, he's no good. He's no good, really, Ollie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, definitely. So, so who do did you, um, who are you going to go for for your top three? I think this was a bit of a challenge. It was hard, wasn't it? I mean, 
I, I was tossing the turn in between Beckles and Sadler, um, but I went for Beckles in the end just because of I think that week he'd been nominated in the in the team of the year, Andy. So it was kind of almost like a capping at a fantastic week for him. But um, I thought in terms of defensively, Beckles and Sadler were the two so- most solid players at the back. Um, and Beckles actually did offer us a lot, particularly in the first half. I don't think he was quite as effective in the second half, but you know some of those rampaging runs down the left that we talked about. He had that good headed chance, and he was just an effective player. So I went Beckles first, and then obviously Sadler second for the, for the same reasons almost. And uh, I, I thought, you know, you couldn't really look at too many of the attacking players, I didn't think, because, you know, apart from those few chances we created, there wasn't much else going on. So I went for Bolton. I thought he had an effective game at right back, and that was about it, really. Yeah, he was quite sloppy. I think he Sloppy. Was, but, I, yeah. funny, funny you've put him there. I thought he was one of the players that had quite a below-par performance. Mm, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah. Really struggled for top three. And I, don't, I think, you know, almost, I'd like it. I don't know. Maybe we should actually, you know, not even give them the 10 and 5 points for this, because yeah. it was such a poor. So, yeah, I went sad the Beckles Wally. And I think Wally was quite poor, but... Watching the highlights back, he was the most effective player going forward. Um, but the highlights so, only show you the good things sometimes, don't they? <laughs> well, yeah, I know, I know. He it's, did give the ball away a lot. In the same, same as Bolton, he was just as sloppy as Bolton, really. I thought. As I said, I think I don't think it's fair for these guys to get you know the the, the, the full points. <laughs> We're not going to change the rules, but you know what I mean. You get the point. And it, and you know you can come to Paul Hurst's comments in a minute, but it was it was. We should really talk about, you know, the game ended and, and sort of... I, I left my seat probably three seconds before the final whistle went. I heard the final whistle as I was just getting out the back of Wembley. You know, it took me maybe 10, 15 seconds to walk out um, and, and that was it then. And I was just like... I, I took a video of all the town fans coming out and, and it's just like, oh, such down and 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 oh, we failed again there do you know what i mean and and it, it really has taken some fans and, and probably some fans haven't a, t- a long time to shake off another loss at wembley take away the context of what the game is in some respects you know just to have gone there and lost again is a really bitter pill to swallow for town fans isn't it yeah i was um fortunate enough i met some really nice guys on the train and i was chatting to them on the way back so that kind of took my mind off things i got back and um, bex was away um uh, so I, and i just went to the pub <laughs> I had three pints in the pub on Sunday night. I had my had some food, got a sandwich in the pub, had three pints and was just thoroughly disappointed and upset. Yeah. Um it's a uh, really. yeah, kind of and it's just four times to Wembley and that's why there was that's why there was hardly any Shrewsbury fans there because it was just it's a long way to go. It's an expensive day out and and just to lose again is just absolutely heartbreaking. Mm, mm. Well, it's come full circle for me now, wasn't it? So I went went there as the first time to see Shrewsbury in '96 as a 16 year old, my dad, uh, and then went to the next two with my friends, obviously. And this time went back with my dad. This time I had my own children there, and we, and obviously lost all four times. And so on the way out, I was able to take Rory and Elsa to one side um, as I waited for all the old people to, to go to the toilet. You know what it's like. Um, and I took them to one. I was like, guys. We always lose at Wembley. Just just get used to it. It's it's fine. I mean, to be fair, the kids had a great day. We had a really nice family day up until, you know, the, the football. It was Apart pretty much the football, it was a great yeah, day. Pretty much like Rochdale Rochdale away the other week. I had a really good you know, day with my friends, football started, kind of ruined the day. And and you know, it, football can also make your days unbelievably special, and it has done on numerous occasions this season and across my life, so I'm not really gonna go, go too bad about it. But when you've made that much effort and um, you know, your whole family's there and, and and everyone would have had the same experience, it just it kind of makes it feel worse. And I think there was an interesting debate as to which is the, the the performance at Wembley that's made you feel the worst and I think there's a, a very even balance between Gillingham when we had that amazing team and we should have got out of that division that year um, with Holt and Humphrey and all that and Lincoln I think those two are on a on a par, par really the, the, the other two kind of fall down a little bit because of the nature of them um, and, the, and the time as well yeah exactly and, and so yeah it, it, it's it's not 
you know, an easy thing to shake off for for the club now. It's it's one of the, for fans, and I'm sure some people are probably all right about it, whatever. But it, it's just you know, it's 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 up there with the worst of the experiences at Wembley, which is annoying because it was a league bloody two team, Ollie. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's the thing that yeah hurt. And so what did Paul Hurst say? So yeah, he said he's naturally disappointed for everyone who wanted to create a bit of history, and for those who have been four times, I really feel for them. Um, Cheers, we, didn't mate. Perform, we didn't perform well enough. Um, some controversial decisions. Overall, we didn't play to the standard that we can. Why didn't we form the occasion? It looked like it affected some of the players. So, yeah, definitely. yeah, I'm not going to say too much more. We can just keep it quite short and brief because we need to move on. I think we did t- take away the, the bad luck and stuff, and, and games can go certain ways. We did, we didn't deserve to win, really. So no, we didn't. That's what no, I would so say. So what? Yeah, there's, there's yeah, there's things that you can complicate. Um, you know, kind of the way that we would, you know report this game but at the end of the day we don't we didn't deserve to win um things could have gone quite different for us but hey ho that's that's life okay back to boycott next year ollie you with me yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh dear anyway we at least we got to look back on the league then that was the good news and and we should before we get on to bradford game we should talk about the fact that um on the saturday just as we were doing the po- it happened before we did the podcast I can't remember bradford blackburn dropped some points didn't they um, so it kind of given us a little bit more hope and we were going to be able to catch them up a little bit if we beat Bradford so that was the context going into this game but yeah wasn't a big yeah they drew, they, they, it was in the week so it was, that was Tuesday night it was Tuesday night wasn't it yes that was it yes that was it so it gave us that little bit of hope so it was almost like Wembley disappointment Blackburn dropped a few points gave us a bit more hope then we went to Bradford bit of disappointment and then obviously conversely this weekend Blackburn and Wigan both dropped points so back to hope so this is what I mean about this week being up and down but yeah it wasn't to be was it for us unfortunately to try and get those points back it was a nil-nil draw um, the only incident of note really was Omar Beckles getting sent off in terms of, of incidents that get recorded um, uh, 18,000 19,000 there which for the way Bradford are playing is unbelievable really isn't it yeah they are dire <laughs> they're not good they are really really poor they didn't try to play They, I don't know whether they thought they just watched the Lincoln DVD and decided that's how you beat Shrewsbury, but they were terrible. Uh, and they kept passing to them, to the that little winger, um, mm. and yeah, it just didn't stick with him at all. So, yeah, so um, Bantams came to this game with a fairly decent record. They were unbeaten at home in the last four, which is surprising how, considering, you know, they've their season just completely fallen away. Yep. Um, with Grayson coming in, he hasn't seemed to be able to, you know, change their fortunes. Yeah, not yet. Um, but, um, yeah, it was a... Uh, 90 minutes of football, seven hours in the car. <laughs> um, I, or two minutes on your sofa, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, That's what it was yeah. for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, it took a long time to get there. And on the way back, um, yeah, M62 closure, M6 closure, M5 yeah, closure. Um, I know that the Shrewsbury fans had um, A5 issues. I know um, uh, Andy, um, one of our mates um, from the Way Supporters, yeah. he had trouble because the A1 was closed. It was just yeah, a bit of mayhem. The only highlight I can have, have, and it did make me smile, is I overtook the Wem Shrewsbury coach. Oh, there you go. Uh, doing a rate of knots, put my hazards on as in like high, and he, wait, and he flashed me back. Aww. So that was a little smile. So that kind of warmed my little cockles up a little <laughs> bit. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, oh, the team. We should... Yeah, we wish. Uh, yeah, we, sh- we should have won this game. You're annoyed so. about this game, I could tell. Yeah, we should have won. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Obviously, we've got two different contexts as well. Me being yes. in there, um, I actually sat next to Dave Mateus all game, so that was nice. Oh, good. Um, and yeah, so yeah, so so you can build us into this, Glenn. Who 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 played? What was the team? Yeah, so yeah, it was Henderson in goal. Uh, back four, same as Wembley, um, with Toto continuing to play this time without his mask. Was it? I don't think he had it on this time. He didn't he, start with the mask. Yeah, no, exactly. He had a new one apparently, but he preferred to play without it. Well, the, we should just say from Wembley, the mask are going. Over his eyes. It was bloody useless. That yeah, mask. Yeah, at some point. Waste of money. 
Yeah, he completely. Hopefully, we're going to get our money back on that. that (laughs) There we go. And then, yeah, the midfield three with Godfrey Morrison, Nolan, as usual. Thomas got dropped from his poor Wembley performance, and and Rodders came back in. Um, Wally kept his place, and uh, Morris got swapped for Payne again. So we're swapping over the the strikers quite a lot at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, we are. And um, I think Payne was fantastic in this game. Yeah, Um, he was really, really good. Um, And yeah, definitely worth his place. And also, his interest in Rodman coming back, um, obviously, after his his, um, weird back injury. Yeah, he was good as well, I thought. Um, so, as you just said, it was on Sky. It's probably the first time in the club's history we've had two games on Sky in, in, within know, back to back. four days or five days of each other. Um, well, less than that, wasn't it? Um, and, yeah, it was quite an entertaining game to watch for me on the TV, you know, in terms of if you were if you're watching it as a neutral, it was you know, plenty, plenty of chances in the game. And, you know, the way that they described it in the commentary made it quite an engaging watch, I thought, at times. It certainly wasn't as dull as watching the Lincoln game. So I thought it was quite a good watch, to be honest with you. But obviously you were there and you saw it up close. Um, but we found out during this game, didn't we, Ollie, that some of the things you were thinking were happening when you were getting replays at home were, were very different. So, um, yeah, we might sort of, I think you've obviously seen the highlights again, haven't you? So you'll probably think yeah. of things differently. But, yeah, definitely gave you a sort of more crisper view of some of the you know, replays and stuff on the on the yellows and red cards and stuff. So um yeah, there we go. So yes you got there, soaking wet. What do you think of the pitch, Ollie? <laughs> what pitch? Um <laughs> it, it was terrible. I saw um I saw Dave Mateo's post on the blue and amber um apparently put, you know, you should have bought his fishing rod. Um <laughs> yeah, in front of us at the um yeah, the kind of the small end, um yeah, the, there wasn't much grass there at all and it just looked like a basically a, a splatter of mud. Um it wasn't wasn't particularly um yeah didn't really give much hope, but then other parts of the pitch weren't so bad. But uh, yeah, I got there. I tell you what, Glenn, it was cold. I was ha- literally wearing a hat, scarf, and gloves. I saw everyone moaning about it. You, Lewis Cox, Stu Dunn. Everyone was moaning about how cold it was. It was. It was crazy. I had the heater on in my front room. It was lovely, Ollie. Should, <laughs> should have been there. But the, the other interesting thing for me, which I should just say, is obviously, and you were part of this. Was it was pretty obvious from as soon as the game started that the Shoe Town fans were really loud. Like I don't know yeah. whether the microphone was near them or whatever, but for the whole of the game, you could only hear the Shoe Town chants, which was fantastic. Yeah, I hope, yeah hopefully that gave us a good um, yeah, impression to those neutrals um, on, on the, watching on the TV. But um, yeah, the Shoe fans are in good voice. You couldn't really hear the Bradford fans at all. No. Uh, they didn't really make any noise. Uh, I think... In their defence, the mics I think with the keep with the cameras were right behind, next to us. Oh, okay. um, but still, anyway, we were in good voice and we did sing, and there was a lot of banter, um, in one way direction banter about you know you're supposed to be at home and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> we'll sing. There was a lot of we'll sing on our own. I could hear. Yeah, there was. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so how did the game start? It kind of it felt a bit like we were camped in our own half at the start of the game. Um, yes. We were defending a lot of set pieces and corners, weren't we? All going down Beckles' side. Certainly the first 10, 15 minutes was the worst period of the game for us, I thought, watching it on yeah. TV. They, they really pushed us back and obviously they'd lost 5-0 in their last game and, and the, the sort of context of the commentary was can we bounce back from Wembley defeat and can Bradford put right you know, the, the poor form and, and put a performance in for their home home team and it felt a little bit like that. We were trying to get out but Bradford just sort of seemed to be on top of us. Their, their passing was quite crisp. Um, they were quite pacey, I thought and, and they weren't afraid to have a shot, were they either? So to answer no. it, so. That's a question, Glenn. Do, do you think that there was any kind of hangover from Wembley or in no, terms of the performance? No, I don't. I I think that you know there was definitely some motivation in there because of the loss. Um, I thought you know in general we played quite well in the game. To be honest, I, mean, I agree with you. Like you said before, we should have won it. And yeah, I thought that we were we were our usual brilliantly resilient defensive yeah. performance. And going forward, Rodman that little extra zip he gave us. Nolan was a, probably a step or two faster than he was. Um, Morris was Grim good. Morris Godfrey played a little bit good. better. Yeah, the central it, three was solid. I thought they had a really good game. Yeah, Godfrey was really good in a few points. And and it just frustrates you going back because why didn't they put that bloody performance in on the on the Wembley final? But yeah, to me it was a way step further from the Wembley performance. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely was a. 
a step up. <laughs> so yeah, so the, the first real chance, I guess, was that Rodder's chance, wasn't he? Where Beckles passed into him, he kind of just turned and had a shot, and I thought it was going to be another, um, yeah, another ball flying to the back of the net, but um, unfortunately it wasn't. It was a good effort, though. It was a good effort, that, and he had a couple, didn't he, in the game as well? I think he had one in the second half as well, but we'll, we'll come to that. And um, yeah, but it was an open game, to be honest with you, because they had a really good chance, didn't they, that Henderson made a fantastic save from, and I think that that then was a really good save to make at that point of the game. If they'd have gone 1-0 up then, you could have probably found their crowd getting into it more, Ollie, and you know, it would have been an even bigger challenge for us, especially having gone 1-0 down against Lincoln and you know, it was really good to not let them score at that point in time. It was probably like 20 minutes in, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a really, really good reaction save. And Brilliant. it wasn't very far away. Um, so it was quite a close shot. So fantastic save. Um, so yeah, well done to Henderson for that one. And then they hit us on the counter. And yeah, Beckles got a yellow card. And yeah, what was your view? What was your view from watching it at home, Glenn? And- so I think it's probably worth talking about the, the two challenges that Beckles made in the game, didn't he, in the mm. first half. So he obviously got a yellow card for this first challenge, um, which was dubious at best I thought um, watching it on TV and then probably 20 not 20 minutes later maybe it was about 5 minutes later 6 minutes later he made another challenge where he was running back and he clipped the heels of the defenders who was running who was ahead of him and that to me was a, was a stone cold yellow card so but he didn't get a yellow card then because obviously he would have got sent off and, and the Bradford, despite the Bradford players around the referee so for me if you take on context of both those challenges to have ended up with him only getting one card in the first half was probably fair, I thought. But he got it for the wrong challenge. He should have got it for the second one, not the first one. Yeah, no, definitely. The the first one, um, the player kind of ran in front of him. Um, I don't... Like, watching the highlights back, it does actually look like he could clip him. But it was very, very light uh, or even nothing at all. He seemed genuinely saying he never touched him. You could see him lip-reading um, yeah. on the highlights. Um, obviously, the game being on Sky, the highlights were quite detailed and had lots of different camera angles. So that was quite good. Um, but yeah, it just felt... Again, I don't know whether it's you know I've you know I've had we've had feedback from the D three D four podcast um, when we were talking about the Northampton game about yeah. how we always seem to we always try to be fair and take a very kind of you know what we'd see is we genuinely take the you know the opinion of what we see we don't put a blue and amber tint on it no. and I thought that was harsh and I just felt like the referee just was given a lot of things I think his his game manager was really poor again and yeah I think we suffer when we have a referee who can be influenced. Um, and I think they did influence him quite a bit. Yeah, possibly, but I thought we actually attempted to influence the referee a bit more than we had done at Wembley. Maybe that was like we were talking about four one and things because it was certainly a challenge in the second half when Nolan went down and we all surrounded the referee about him not playing advantage. And there was another one later on. Funny thing, watching it on TV was I didn't actually think like a referee made a mistake on that yellow yellow card. He should have given it for one challenge, not the other one. But to me, overall, you know, it didn't feel quite as bitty and, and broken and, and spotty. It felt like a more entertaining game. And the referee didn't stand out as much to me in the Bradford game as he did in the Wembley game, or even some of the games we've had previous, like the Rochdale game. So maybe it's a different point of view because you can't you, you don't see the whole flow of the game on the TV. But it didn't it didn't feel like a particularly bad refereeing performance compared to lots of games I've seen on TV. To be honest with you, but I think Which that was partly down to the. I think that was. I think that was. I think the referee was poor. I think it was partly the the Bradford players are a, a little bit more honourable uh, than some of the teams we've been playing to get Rochdale and Lincoln. <laughs> so I think it's actually the players of Bradford could have made the situation worse. There was, there was one point Possibly. in the second half where um, we there sh- should have been a foul our way, we didn't get it, and then, then something else happened, and all the Shuzi fans roared, and the referee gave a free kick, so he was very influential. Yeah, influential. yeah it's more difficult for us to tell watching on TV, because you can't tell what the actual real roars were like, you know, we can just hear yeah. the general atmosphere. So I'm, I'm happy to take your view on that, Ollie. you were actually there. Um, but yeah, so to be honest with you, we were lucky that Yang got sent off then because there's a chance he could have given him a red for that second mm-hmm. yellow and thank God he didn't listen to Bradford then, which was good. Um, so, 
yeah, we'll come to we'll come to what you would have thought you would have done with Beckles at half time, I suppose. But there was a couple of other chances in the game, wasn't there, before half time? Yeah, there was. Um, Nolan um, had an absolutely um, this sweet was the chance. chance. Oh, yeah, when man. Wally did a turn, and you probably I don't know if you heard this on the radio, on the radio, sorry, on TV. Um, there was a massive. He, the player absolutely clattered um, Wally on the shins, but he scarily turned and ran, super through ball into Nolan, um, and he, he could have scored. Should have scored. I didn't, yeah, I'm not, I think it was a hard one because the ball bounced and he had to hit it at the same time. So I think oh. it was a hard chance. It was difficult. I haven't put should, I've put could have scored. I think it was a it was a good opportunity, but it, I think it was a hard one to take. I think, yeah, I think he should have scored both of his chances over in the game. Yeah, yeah. And he even said that after the game, to be honest with you. He's a professional footballer and he, he does snatch a chances every now and again, doesn't he, a yeah. little bit. But it was more difficult the first one than the second one in the second half. But, um, but in general, I thought the game was 50-50 at half-time. I thought, you know, 0-0 was a fairly... Fairly okay result, and and from from what had gone on in the game, and um, you know, you were looking forward to us pushing on potentially in the second half and having a better performance and going on to win the game. But you know, you ha- to me, the, the the standout from that game was that no one, whether it was Shrewsbury players or Bradford players, was shirking a challenge in that game. There were so many long sliding tackles and like lunges, and and Toto made one lunge that he got away with, and then there was the central midfielder for Bradford that made a challenge that he got booked for, and there was a couple of moments where you know they looked like they'd made quite bad tackles on the TV, and when you had the replay, you could see there wasn't. That, actually that much contact so as people were flying into things you did worry about Beckles having got away with not getting the red card as to whether we should leave him on or maybe put low on might have actually helped in that circumstance because they weren't particularly physical were they Ollie in terms of no. giving us more of an attacking threat and I think I'd put on on Twitter about five minutes for half time who's going to get a red card will it be Toto Godfrey or, or Beckles because we're definitely going to get one Obviously, I was proved to be right, but you didn't want it to be true. But it was it was seemed seemed fairly obvious that either Beckles or someone was going to get sent off in that game, didn't it? Yeah. What, what <laughs> if you, at halftime? So you're sitting at home, good. You're there in your slippers and you're in, in your warmth. What did you think at halftime? You know, would you you know return to Beckles even into the start of the first half? Would you have would you have taken him off or would you have left him on? Yeah, I'd have got him off at halftime for low. I think because I think it I'd just yeah, it's an interesting. Lots of people been debating this. There's again two camps. There's the those. So me and Dave Mateus were just like obviously the. Obviously, being there, you sense the game, the crowd. Every time he anything went near him, they were, you know, the players and the the um, the fans were on his back. It just, it, it just, you just saw it happening. Yeah, because when you're at a place like Bradford and you've got nineteen thousand, you know, home fans, they might not chant and be as noisy as we were during that game. But when an incident happens, you could definitely, you, know, you could hear a massive roar on the TV for them calling for that incident. And, you, and the commentators would say, "Bradford fans are really not happy with that decision," sort of thing. And I think when you're a big teams like that, they're more likely to. They're more likely to convince the referee to do something than the players surrounding the referee are. Do you know what I mean? It's that sort of vociferous, angry noise that sometimes makes referees just get that next yellow card out. And to me, it felt like as soon as Beckles made any challenge in that game, he was going to get it. Because they were booing Beckles, weren't they, the whole way through? Yeah. For as soon as he didn't get sent off. So it was obvious they were on him. Um, and it just took one challenge, and that's what happened in the second half. So I would have got him off. Yeah. Well, let's just talk about this. That's what we're talking about. Let's just talk about this. So he got sent off, didn't he, for, um, Correct. for a second yellow. Um, and in. In real time, I didn't think it was a. I didn't think it was a yellow card. I thought he kind of made contact with him, but in the real time, I don't know whether it was just my passion. Um, mm. I didn't think it was a yellow, but yeah, you said very quickly on Twitter that it was definitely a yellow, didn't you? Definitely a yellow. It, one of those ones you see happen, you know, a hundred times in in games, uh, and where player takes a touch, it's a slightly sloppy touch. It gets the yard ahead of him. Um, so he's running, thinking he's actually going to get that ball, but it isn't until he takes the third stride where he thinks, "Oh, actually, I've not got this." 
and he just sort of lunged in a little bit, didn't he? And it was it was naive to be honest with you. He, you know, considering he got sent off for making a tackle on the edge of their box, pretty much, it's a bit bit naive for a left back to get sent off making a tackle there, isn't it? So, um, and especially knowing the circumstance he was in, and I, you know, I like Beckles. I've been really positive about him this season, but yeah, he's banged to rights. He was a poor, yeah, tackle, poor he challenge. was having a poor game, and he just yes. he was, and you said clumsy. I think that's why. I think that's that's probably that's a hit nail in the head for me. That for me is why I felt like I would take him off. It's not that I don't trust him as a player, and I think he's a great player. He's he's been fantastic for us. You know, he'd always been my starting eleven yeah. um, um, at the season. But in that context, in that situation, you know, when Akushi they had a few nippy wingers, Low would have been a, an amp, a, you know, a very suitable substitution. Correct. Yeah, he would have been. All three challenges that he made that we talked about were clumsy. Just all a bit yeah. clumsy, really, wasn't it? But he, he was he was shaken. You know, I, I, I remember putting that on, on online as well. He was a bit shaken and um, very strange performance for him, unfortunately. It was certainly not his normal solid style. So, um, yeah, but we, before that, we'd been on top, haven't we? We'd really been pushing to win the yeah. game. And um, Rodman had another long shot. Um, and and Wally had done his man again, crossing into the box, and that was the that was the best chance, wasn't it, to yeah. go one 0 up before it's super that was Nolan's... super awareness. Yeah, <sighs> Wally was good, um, but yeah, Nolan should have definitely scored the second one, shouldn't he? Yeah, but it was a super awareness and pain, wasn't it, to leave it? You knew Correct. that Nolan was coming, and that was basically you know that was you know as good a chance um, as you could get. Um, to, to score a goal and unfortunately he didn't and Dave Mateo said to me he has one chance a game he always spoons um, and unfortunately yeah, <laughs> yeah the second one was like we're, the, we're giving a bit of benefit of the doubt on the the first one but this one he really should have scored um, annoying because he was really good as well yeah he was fantastic um, he was fantastic in this game he was really solid um, and yeah opposite to the Lincoln game there was a lot of players that played well Yes, it, that's why it's frustrating that yellow card because I think if Beckel stays on, we win that game. To be honest with you, having having seen the way the game was developing, you can never be sure. But yeah, so obviously we miss those chances, and then Beckles goes off. And what's Paul Hurst do? Does he play for the point, or does he go mad, uh, gun ho? Well, do you think it was mad? I thought it was quite a clever tactical switch. I liked it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was positive. I thought it was front foot football. I thought you know we're better even with 10 we're just as good as being able to match this poor Bradford team and it was true we, we yeah. even after we went down to 10 men I thought we shaded the game and um, fair play to Paul Hurst that's, that's the reason why we said he couldn't adapt at Wembley funnily enough this was a game where I thought he really adapted the team really well for a big kick in the teeth and he deserves a lot of credit for it yeah so so, so for me yeah it, it, I thought it was a really wise move because obviously going two up front meant that they they couldn't throw everyone forward if we carried nope. on with one up front they could just really push their fullbacks on lead the two central defenders um, to look after the striker but having two up there meant they had to be quite conscious and also we could then play an out ball having Morris and Payne up front um, yeah it was going to cause some hand, a bit of, potentially a bit of a handful so yeah, I thought it was a, a really good move. And that really going then from that that point in time where we went for it, you know, we, we we played really well and we passed the ball around and we played nice football. Funnily enough, we didn't create too many chances during that period, though, no. unfortunately. And actually, when Bradford did break a couple of times, they had probably the best two chances that were remaining in the game. There was one where they had a headed chance, wasn't there, where the, where the guy should have scored. They should have scored um, then. That was lucky. <sighs> we really we I was very thankful that that, that, that didn't got in because that would have been heartbreaking um, to, to, to concede then. It would have been, and then just after, just just towards the end, then right into injury time, Henderson came out to, to punch a ball and completely missed it, and there was a huge scramble, and luckily Toto was there. So um, those were the two sort of big chances in the rest of the game. Then, but we we got a credible point out of it really after going down to ten men and frustrating. Three points would have been perfect, and we would have been sitting here thinking about potentially getting a gate of Blackburn on Saturday now. But as it is, it's not to be. So. 
Do you think we needed the three points? Not now. They've dropped points again. It no. just leaves us in the same situation a week on for me. So yeah. um, it would have been nice to get it. But all in all, we'd love a point away at Bradford at the start of the season, wouldn't we? It's always a tough place to go. So, you know, I suppose look at it in that context. It was it was a creditable performance in the end with the issues with the 10 men for me. So uh, that was my summary of it, really. Yeah, I agree with all those points. But at the same time, it's so close. Yeah. It's just so close. And as we keep saying, you know, we keep using the term superpowers. They are superpowers. They've got absolutely huge arsenals of players um, to call upon, um, which makes mm. you just fear. You know, we've got to ca- we've got to catch them where they can. They got they've got the kind of the safety net of losing a game or two. Um, so yeah. So, but yeah. still, again, you know, we're not we're not taking anything away from this fantastic season. It's just when you travel for seven hours and you could have won a game, um, even with a man sent off. Um, and on the context of Lincoln as well, it just feels like the whole world's against you. But um... yeah, and I say then obviously we've gone on a few more days, and 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 Blackburn and Wigan both dropped points at the weekend. Um, yesterday on Saturday. So to me, you know, yeah, that cheers if, you up, if they'd it? have both picked up three points, that would have been it. That draw would have been terminal to our our, our automatic promotion chances. But they've given us to me one last chance, one yep. last chance, and we have to win all our remaining games now. So we're in the last chance saloon. It's possible, you know. It's three. It's three. It's it's all home games and one away game at Blackpool. We've not had the most brilliant season. It is possible we could win every game. We cannot afford any more slip ups. For me, for me, that's the last slip now. Um. So, yeah, it's still possible. Yeah, <laughs> and on that kind of context, I did. I've got two bets tonight that took the start of the season. You cashed out, to didn't get you? Promoted. I got two bets. I got so I did. Two, I did a twenty-five and a fifteen. I cashed <laughs> out the fifteen, so I took a hundred and. 160 quid or something like that and then Bex well on the on the Bex on the, we went to went to the wedding venue on Saturday we went to a pub afterwards in the, sitting in the beer garden and I said Bex well, let's put a bet on for the Grand National and Bex chose the winner yeah well done so You're that was quite that's, that's help it's not really going to make a dent in the wedding fund but um, every every little helps oh, as long as it's yeah I'm looking forward to the party favours Ollie if you keep winning this <laughs> time they're going to be amazing so um, there we go so what do Paul have to say about the game all? so yeah so just before, just before we jump to that um, my oh, top, top three, three. Yes. so I went for Warley this is really tough and you know I think notable exceptions so Godfrey I thought had a really good game Nolan had a really good game I thought that um, Sadler and Toto had a good game I think that yeah everyone played really well you know and I, but I went for it was really hard but I went for Worley, Payne and Henderson um, interesting and it was yeah I think Worley because I think he was the constant threat and I think he had a really good game and he was more effective than Rodman where Rodman had obviously had a few big highlights and Payne for me just worked tirelessly and that's one of the things isn't it when you're when you're watching the game live you can kind of see the movement and the contributions of the players yeah. um, and he worked his socks off and he was a real threat and really helped us um, and Henderson just for those two saves he made you know mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I think all the context of Lincoln as well you know he's, he's a very emotional lad he wears his heart on his sleeve so I think to come back with that performance was, was fantastic and yeah so, have a clean sheet yeah so obviously you had a, di- a very different view who was your kind of man of the match from TV well, I, d- I don't know I, I suppose in some respects watching it on TV it's kind of kind of tempered by the coverage isn't it I suppose yeah. in some respects and how the players are talked about in the commentary to me as a, as a TV viewer Sadler came across as our best player probably equal with Nolan and Wally those were the three players that were sort of highlighted as our three best players in the game I thought Sadler was really good from from watching it and I think he's been having his best best, best bit of form recently to be honest with you but yeah those were the three really that stood out to me so it's interesting that you had Wally in there but not Nolan and Sadler so it just showed it's a different game in it watching it on TV to be in there so <laughs> so, so what's a Paul Hurst have to say so he said we had a, we had enough moments in the game and um, Bradford didn't take advantage of their extra man I thought it was quite fair mm. as you know so we started we started well and we had the best chances to win the game it's quite interesting when he said this because he almost said we should have won the game but he was quite <laughs> diplomatic mid-sentence which was quite funny yeah. um, so I always watch when I do Paul Hurst for this 
there. So I always actually watch him because you get a lot from his kind of cues, um, from his facial cues, um, from his obviously um, not just what he what he says. It's obviously how he acts. Yes. Um, so he said credit to the players, especially with ten men, showed willingness to work. Um, and he said Beckles was very naive um, to get sent off. That's interesting. Yeah, that's a good word to use, isn't it? Naive. Yeah. Actually, I, I said clumsy, didn't I? But but yeah, clumsy's he's... accurate as well. Um, but then you could question Hurst, but let's not do that. Um, so yeah, we've done that enough. So in general, a good a good a good res- a good bad result. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can't yeah. get a head round what's Couldn't going on at the moment. <laughs> it's, it's a thing, and that's the thing. I, I and I've kind of yeah, I didn't really mean to come on this, but I think it kind of fits quite nicely. Is that I think Trudy Town fans are kind of there's a bit of arguing amongst themselves. Um, and I kind of put a, st- a post on, which quite, had quite a lot of likes, um, that town fans are feeling a mixture of emotions. Yeah. And I think, and also, I think it's fair for Shooter Towns to share their emotions um, on, on Facebook. Because while you are ecstatic with the season, you love the players, you know, you, know, if, you know, if you saw Paul Hurst, you'd want to give him a big hug. If you saw Henderson or any of these players, you'd be like, oh, thank you for the season, you know. But at the same time, we're so close to something amazing that you're disappointed we're not going to potentially get that. So it's, it's a very, it's a, a lot of emotions going mm. on at the moment, isn't there, as a Chelsea fan fan? I think the thing that crystallised it for me was the headline on the back of the Shropshire Star on the Monday, uh, the, the Monday after the <laughs> final, which was, you know, something about fans being proud of the players. Now, and then obviously following that, at Bradford, someone had a, a banner that said, we're still proud of you. And I think, to me, initially, when I read that thing in the Shropshire Star that said, we were proud of you, I wasn't proud of the way they played at Wembley. That didn't reflect how I felt about it, and I doubt it reflected how most fans felt about how they played at Wembley. It wasn't a performance to be proud of. But the banner on the other side, which is something that people have done to say we're still proud of you despite what happened at Wembley. It's kind of true because I am proud of what they've done in the league and I am proud of everywhere we've got this season. So I still have massive pride in the team, just not at one particular result. So it's kind of, that's what I mean. It's that that's that dichotomy of how we feel about <laughs> particular results and then the context of the season. And so, yeah, the banner and the Shropshire Star headline were really interesting elements to how people feel this this week. And, and yeah, obviously, obviously they weren't talking to, you know, the majority of fans at Wembley when they got that headline, if you ask me. No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> no there's a lot of shock amongst that one. Um, <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, cool. so let's, let's jump into Salad News. Hibbert cleared and he's probably Dunfield. Dunfield! Oh, what a, what a goal! goal! What a Jimmy Dunfield! He did like a dream on the half volley! From 25 yards into the top corner! You will not see a better goal anywhere this season! So, Salad News, we haven't really got any news this week, but I thought it was worth talking about a couple of things, Ollie, which is uh, one of which is Blackpool. So, just really an update that we've been given an extra 500 tickets for Blackpool, which is fantastic, isn't it? Because um, I think, you know, we're probably going to sell out of the initial allocation of whatever it was, 2,100, which is amazing, really, isn't it, for an away trip? I know it's the last one of the season and it's been the season of seasons. Um, and you've got your ticket, haven't you? Yeah, I've got my ticket next to me here. Good stuff. And I've got mine on my wallet, so God knows what state it will be in by the time <laughs> it uh, gets around to the game. And then, um, yeah, and obviously. For everyone that's got tickets and hasn't heard, you know, there's been a bit of a promotion, and the football club and, and the shop star are going to help us get the word out a bit further nearer the nearer the time as well. But um, we've sort of designated it as as the blue and amber, uh, you know, fanzine, and and sort of you know here on Saladcast as well is it's beach party is going to be the theme of fancy dress. And obviously, we always do fancy dress away from home. I don't know if you've ever done it before, Ollie. I've done it. God, done yeah, it I've been to a lot of away now. games. I normally have my own kind of little tradition what I do instead. But um, yeah, <laughs> there you go. But this time we're at Blackpool. It's going to be sunny, Ollie. You know, it's going to be May. It's going to be a time to celebrate. You know, it might might be still possible to get automatics. Either way, we're going to be cruising into the playoffs. So it's something really celebrated. So yeah, everyone, beachwear, you know, flip flops, um, yeah, Hawaiian shirts, Bermuda and you're shorts. You staying over? Well, I'm staying over two days. Yeah, I'm going up okay. on the Friday to play golf as well. So 
yeah, that's that's what the vibe is really. If everyone's trying to plan what they're going to do, get your fancy dress ready. Um, and the other part of that, the main part of this, Ollie, which should be fantastic if everyone gets on board, is in many as many different types of beach holiday inflatables as you possibly can bring into Blackpool. Get them blown up and just throw them everywhere at the start of the game. And let's see what we happen. Because we've done that a few times. I think we did it at... Um, God, I might have been dagging them away years and years ago. And there was probably like 30, 40 inflatables knocking around. But if we've sold 2,000 tickets and we can even just get 10, 15% of people to do it, it should be mad. So there we go. Anyone that's listening to the podcast, that's the plan at Blackpool Away. And um, yeah, you'll probably read and see more about it on Twitter and the, the Shropshire Star and other places in the next few weeks. So yeah, something to look forward to that, isn't it, Ollie? Yeah, definitely. What are you going to be wearing? Um, I always wear my, um, when it's sunny and it's warm, I always wear my old school um, spinal tap top. So I love wearing that in the summer um, when that comes along. <laughs> so I'm always, that's kind of my own little tradition of I always wear that at the last away game of the season. I'd wear mine, but it doesn't fit me anymore, to the point that my wife wore that to Wembley. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> At least somebody used it. Um, so there we go. That's that's Blackpool. Um, the other thing I wanted to quickly talk about, Ollie, which is something I've kind of mentioned a few times before, is the Shoes Family Community Kids football courses they run. And I have to say, they're fantastic events. Not just for the football coaching the kids get there. And they've got a lot of good coaches. Um, and my boy's been going to it all last week, Ollie. And I think I've, I've told you about this offline. But... You know, he loves it. He just goes and loves playing football, meeting new boys um, and, and playing football with them. Not just boys, the girls go there as well. And this week's been brilliant, you know, because it's been rainy. The, when the, the community team haven't got too much for them to do, they really get the club involved, more than I thought they did. Um, so one day they went and watched an open training session on the pitch. Um, and Paul Hurst and pretty much all the players, Dino, Matt Sadler particularly, spent a lot of time talking to the kids. They got a video of the kids sitting in the stand with Dino sitting in the middle and all the kids chanting, Dino, Dino, and... Things like that stay with kids, don't they? You know, they're the reasons why you get engaged in a football club. So that was one good thing they did. And then later on in the week, before they went to Bradford on the Thursday, the bus turned up and they took all the kids around to see the players going off to Bradford. And they let the kids get on the bus with the players and they just went for a few laps around the stadium talking to the players on, on the actual bus. And Rory came home telling me about how amazing it was and this bus is like, you know, super bus and all this sort of thing. And and, that, and then even the week before, my lad wasn't on it. They got to see the Czech Trade Trophy as well. So I think things like that are worth promoting about this football club. And I know it's the community side. It's, it's you know, not 100% the football club, but it does seem to me like the football club and the community being on the same plot of land now and, and working together I, I just thought it's been such a brilliant thing that I thought I'd mention it on the podcast, Ali, because yeah. that's the sort of thing that gets young supporters hooked for life. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a, a need, isn't there, to get more kids um, coming yeah. through and having a connection, not you know, not um, supporting Man City and playing FIFA and stuff, having a connection to your local team. So, yeah, that's fantastic. Can you imagine when you were a kid going and having a ride around on the bus with Dean Spink and Wayne Clark and <laughs> all, the, all the players from that generation? You'd have been, well, yeah, ma- you'd have been amazing. Well, it's part of my connection is, um, obviously, I've, I've said this before, I used to play football in John McGuinney's Garden a couple yeah, of times. My dad had, um, yeah, I was a mascot at Shrewsbury and a few things, and that's always been my connection to the club. And even though I'm not from Shrewsbury, you know, being a kid and having that kit and having that, you know, I had that white and blue greenhouse kit, you know, that's all that's my connection. And yeah, mm. it, yeah, you get that connection, you get them when you're young almost. And so, yeah, which is, which is going just slightly off topic as well. And we'll, we'll wrap this podcast up now because it's been a long one. But there's one good thing to come out of Wembley, I think, is that is the fact that it was one of those occasions, particularly for the younger generation and my kids who I took with me, they met friends there and they met their friends at also Shrewsbury Town fans and they were all part of that same experience and they're all going to go back and talk about it at school when they go back tomorrow that was probably the highlight of Wembley for me was that kind of social fan interaction um that you know I would have actually missed that if I hadn't gone and, and boycotted like you know I said I was going to that, that was brilliant to be fair and, and then on the flip side when you come out we'd met one of Rory's little friends coming out on the way in and on the way out we, we bumped into him and the little boy he's only six like my little lad he was in floods of tears that usually had lost and it was just like that was really the the, <laughs> the summary of the trip to memory for me was children really made to cry he was honestly he was inconsolable I was like yeah, don't worry lad you know we'll come back another day and we'll win at Wembley and it'll all be fine and you know don't have to 
don't have to worry. It's not always like this. And um, he was inconsolable. He, he couldn't cheer him up. So hopefully That's he's all right by the time. That's how I felt when I was in the pub. <laughs> I was nearly crying when I was in the pub. Just, oh, yeah, very upset. I brought it back to a negative. I'm sorry. Anyway, let's get into <laughs> predictions, Ollie, quickly. We both predicted us to win at Lincoln, um, at Wembley against Lincoln, and, and we were wrong. So you're still ahead by three points. So, yeah, next Saturday, who have we got? We should say we've got a game in between. Charlton at home on Tuesday. Charlton on next Tuesday. Saturday, yeah, who have we got on Saturday? The Mighty Shakers. Exactly. And they're down already. They are relegated. Um, yep. and so either they're going to come out all guns blazing, play like Barcelona. <laughs> um, you know, there's going to be like, yeah, a couple of League One better Messies on the pitch or we're actually going to thump them. Um, and we owe them one. So I'm going for, I'm going to go first, Glenn. Um, I'm going to go for a 3-0 win to Shrewsbury Town. Guys, not like you. You don't normally go for big, big salad margins of victory. So yeah, that's a bit of a call. Wouldn't it be ironic if this season we actually the only team that got the double over us was the team that got relegated bottom of the league? It would be, horrible, it'd be very, it? it'd be very Shrewsbury. <laughs> it would be, it would be, wouldn't it? Um, yeah, I'm going to go for a win as well. I think we'll. Uh, yeah, I think I'll go two 0 I think yeah. That's I was a, thinking two 0 That was my yeah. kind of other yeah position. But oh, yeah, I'm going to go all out. I think we're going to romp home. Um, so do you think we'll win both games at home this week is the last thing I'll ask you on the pod this week oh, I don't know I've got uh, Bowyer's doing really well at Charlton they're in good form aren't they if we, if we get six points from this week I, 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 I yeah I spend, as you know I spend a lot of time in the car and sometimes I daydream about Shrewsbury and I, I get goose pimples <laughs> thinking that if something happens like if we if something magic happens at Blackpool so I'm staying over as well oh man oh, I don't It'd know. Be the night and nights. I don't think it? I'd in come home. I'd still be fan. out, just drinking, or I don't know, partying, or I don't know. It's just it's so much. There's so much excitement that could happen. I think if obviously, if this week goes bad, then it's it's definitely playoffs. And yeah, we're yeah. so far ahead of um, of um, Rotherham. It almost feels unfair that we've got to go into play- we potentially go into playoffs. I, t- I tell you what, if if we do end up clinching promotion at Blackpool or something like that, you know, say something oh, random, man. that's unlikely. I've daydreamed now because about the- that, mate. It'll be like Liverpool in Istanbul. You know, you, you oh. know occasionally you know Liverpool fans, and they tell you stories about what happened in Istanbul. I think if we if that was to happen, people will never come It'll back. It'll be mayhem. We'll, <laughs> we'll lose. There'll be we'll lose. I've said I was chatting to um to um, um to Ryan Humphreys that I reckon we'll lose people. Oh, I met Ryan Humphreys at Rochdale for the first time. He's a nice lad. Yeah, he is a nice. I was chatting yeah. to him saying I reckon we'll lose people. People will just go. You know, we'll yeah. just lose people. They won't come back. He'll be like, where where where's John? Oh, after Blackpool, we lost him. We never saw him again. He was just so happy. <laughs> I last saw him going into a nightclub it's on Sunday morning. That'll be that'll be that. Yeah, that sort of thing, won't it? But, oh, there we go. Well, we got lots to look forward to, dream. haven't we? Yeah, keep dreaming, guys. Yeah, that's what I was saying to Dave Mateus about. You know, football is all about the journey. You know, yep. you've got to just got to enjoy it. And yeah, this season's been one hell of a journey. Yeah, you're right, Ollie. So um, yeah, I think we'll we'll leave this podcast there. And um, thanks for listening. So yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks for listening. And um, yeah, so obviously two two big home games. Um, and yeah, you're going to both games, Glenn? I'm going every game now. Yeah, I, I said I was going to go to the last 19 games tonight. I'm obviously Miss Bradford because of TV reasons. Um, but yeah, so I, I'll be there and I'll see you there. And uh, yeah, thanks to listening, everyone. We'll get back in our usual pattern now and Easter's out of the way. And um, hopefully the, the good times keep rolling, Ollie. Yep. Cheers, guys. Oh!